leading us in our song service. Uh, I don't think we sing enough at the, the congregation. I encourage uh, our brother to sing. Sing, singing builds you up. Uh, it just gets us ready for our worship assembly. And uh, I love Brother Arthur Greer. I appreciate so very much uh, his work. I know he served as an elder or continues to serve as an elder at uh, North Hamilton. Uh, well, let's see. I guess I've known him now. Wow. Uh, 81 and a half years, I guess. <laughs> but uh, love and appreciate Brother Arthur very, very much. And I uh, want to express my appreciation uh, to the White Oak Congregation for the invitation uh, to be a part of the 75th anniversary. Uh, that's, that's a tremendous anniversary. Uh, not only to have a congregation uh, that is existing that long in the work which you are doing. Uh, but I want to say, uh, God bless you for that. You know, Brother Marshall Keeble used to say this, saying amen to a preacher, like saying sick him to a dog. And I want to say amen to you uh, because of the work which you are doing and uh, what a joy it is. I appreciate the fact we've got a clock here and one here. I guess that's for me and that one's for you. But uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I thought about... Uh, the story, the lady uh, came into the church building and the preacher kind of got aggravated because uh, he would be preaching and about 15 minutes uh, into his sermon, uh, she would uh, she would look, she'd look at her watch, you know, about like that. And then in a few minutes, uh, she would look at it again, then she'd kind of tap it, you know. <laughs> and then in a few minutes, she'd do this, put it up to her ear. And then in another minute or two, she'd turn around and look, you know, at the, the clock in the back. And that aggravated the preacher and told the elders. They said, don't worry about it, we'll take care of it. So what they did is they took the clock down and put a picture of the preacher. Sure enough, next Sunday morning she comes in, you know, and he's about 15 minutes into his sermon. She, you know, looking at it, you know, and then she... Shaking it, putting it up to her ear, and she turns around. She did a double take. She said, I will declare they've taken down time and put up eternity. So uh, I don't know if that makes a difference, but uh, what a joy it is to get to be. You can turn your Bibles uh, to the fourth chapter of the book of Joshua. Uh, I'm reminisced, of course, some in the Bible class, and I could spend a lot of time doing that. I, I just want to express my love and appreciation the 75 years of the White Oak Church of Christ because of the impact and the influence not only that it has had on me as a gospel preacher, but I think on the world and on the... If, for an example, uh, Brian Pope, your dad, was an elder here in this congregation. Now, now you, you don't think about this. See, you, you don't, your mind and our, our mind does not always come... Uh, into the view of these kind of things. I, I, my wife and I did mission work in Bulgaria. After the Iron Curtain fell, uh, there was a brother, great deacon in the church, uh, by the name of Gary Worley. Gary came to me one day. His uh, brother-in-law was uh, the preacher in Sofia, Bulgaria. And Gary came to me and he said, uh, would you be willing to go to Sofia? And I said, yes. Uh, he said, I'll pay, all, I'll pay everything. You don't have to worry. You don't have to raise money. You don't have to do anything. We went to Sofia to do campaigns. I was three years. I was three different years. 
But I don't remember whether it was the first or second year uh, or trip that I made. But when I went in to the, we had kind of like your major, uh, what would be the, uh, what building downtown Atlanta, Atlanta, excuse me, Uh, Chattanooga is your major venue, Luke, what do they have, uh, big meetings down Chattanooga downtown? The what? Convention center. Okay, so they had the church there was able to rent the convention center. So I had just arrived, and they brought this brother up, and they introduced me. They said he has just obeyed the gospel of Christ and wants you to meet him. And uh, he said we talked, and again with an interpreter, and I asked him, "How did you come to learn the truth?" He said, "Bible correspondence course." I said, "That's uh, that's good from the United yeah from the United States." I said, well, do you remember where in the United States? He said, yeah, yeah, the state of Tennessee. Oh, wow, that's great. Uh, I'm from Tennessee. I said, Tennessee's a big place. They've got about 8 million people in the state of Tennessee. Uh, Can you be a little bit more specific? Well, here's what he said. I said, what was your teacher's name? Brian Pope was his teacher. Here I was, thousands of miles from the United States, thousands of miles from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I am about to speak to someone who has obeyed the gospel of Christ because someone at the White Oak Church of Christ had taught him the gospel of Christ. Never underestimate the power of the gospel from wherever you are. And so God bless you. It, you. When you think about the work of the Lord, you think about how that our souls are saved. And so when you and I look at that and we think about it, uh, just remember the work that you have done uh, and how powerful it is. So I want you to go with me uh, to the book. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, you know what? Let me tell you. I found out something unique about these dudes. Got to turn them on. <laughs> All right. Fourth chapter of Joshua. When you, the, the children of Israel now are getting ready to go into the promised land, Joshua is the leader. Moses had turned over that leadership, and, and the Bible teaches us that Joshua is going to be the same dedicated leader. If you'll go 24 chapters, you remember that he said in that last chapter, you, you choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve Jehovah. And then, of course, Joshua deceases, and then we began the period of the judges. But in Joshua chapter number 4, the Bible tells us that verse 19, beginning uh, in that section, the Bible tell, they have they have been through the wilderness, they've come up to the Jordan River. There are so many interesting things about that. The children of Israel, now it's interesting because... That water, you know, the Red Sea parted, but the water and the Jordan didn't part until the, it was at flood stage, until their feet got in the water. I'm not going to preach on this today, ladies and gentlemen, but until my feet get in the water, nothing's going to happen. When you and I recognize that God expects Larry Acuff to do his job, that Larry Acuff has a responsibility, that Larry Acuff needs to put his feet in the water, when their feet in the, went in the water, the water parted, and the children of Israel walked through the Jordan, just as they did with the Red Sea. When they got out on the other side, I do not know the answer to this particular question, if you have it, 
But when they got out, out on the other side, Joshua said, you go back and you, you get 12 stones. Each tribe bring a stone. And they're going to set it up. And, and what that stone, what this is, this is going to be a memorial. Now it's interesting because uh, they also did it in the middle of the, or in the Jordan River as well. And so I'm, the reason why I don't know, but, uh, they set this memorial up and Joshua said, your children are going to come around and they're going to say, what does that mean? Why are these here? Why are these stones? Why did they give a memorial? Why is that here? And so when you read the, the book of Joshua and you look at those verses, what mean these stones? And I think as you and I look at this, now I want you to see uh, these passages of Scripture in, in Exodus 1, verse number 8. The Bible says a king arose that did not know Joseph. Things change. When you and I look at life, you know, when I go back, when I was a, a student at Alabama Christian College back in 1958, and I went down there uh, in the fall of that year to go to school, and I'll never forget, it was on Ann Street. And on Ann Street, they had these block buildings. Uh, we had a dormitory, two-story dormitory. And I'm going to tell you this, I would not go in the shower room at night without flipping on the light because there were big bugs in there, and I was scared of them. I'd reach around and flip that light on and let them scramble before I went in there. But you go down to Faulkner University today, number one, the name has changed. It's now Faulkner instead of Alabama Christian College. And they don't have, their dormitories are, are marvelous compared. Uh, so there arose a king. The Bible said they did not know Joseph. Judges 2 and verse number 10. The Bible says the generation arose that knew not the Lord. So when you and I look at it and we see how quickly things can change in our life. Brother Johnny Ramsey, I mentioned this uh, earlier in the Bible class. Brother Johnny Ramsey uh, was holding a meeting where I was preaching, and a tremendous gospel preacher. And he was telling my wife and I about uh, his son and his daughter-in-law and their children, and her father were traveling down a, an interstate in Texas. And he was telling us that, that some young ladies driving, they got, they, they got across the median and hit head-on Brother Johnny Ramsey's uh, son in their van in the car. And it killed uh, her dad, and it killed their uh, daughter, I believe, or their daughter-in-law. And so they had called them. It was the middle of the night. And Brother Ramsey said his, his wife's name was Iris. He said, I told Iris when we got that call, we we're getting up to, to go. He said, our life will never be the same. So when you and I look at life, ladies and gentlemen, when you and I look at the body of Jesus Christ, and we look at our responsibility in the kingdom of God, and the Bible says a generation arose, not, not that they didn't know Joseph, but a generation arose that did not know the Lord. Then, go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 22 and verse number 30. If you look at that passage of Scripture, uh, the Bible, Ezekiel said... I search, and I'm paraphrasing this, I search for a man. I search for a man, but what? None was found. 
So when you and I see and, and we look at, at Ezekiel and we look at his uh, writings, and let me go back because uh, they did not they they had had some priests there, but when you look at those priests, uh, they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Uh, so when you go to that twenty second chapter and you go down to that verse thirty, and he says, "I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge." Do what? Make up the hedge. That would stand in the gap. So when you and I look at this and we understand that we, we need men, we need women, we need folks uh, who will make up the hedge, folks who will stand in the gap. Joshua said, put these stones. There's going to be folks come by. They, you, your, your, your descendants are going to come and they're going to say, what, what does that mean? Why are all these here? Well, a generation will come that didn't see the effects of the plagues. They didn't, they didn't know anything about the plagues. You know, you and I, when we think about the history of our country, how wonderful and how great it is, and we, we, you know, we think about what, where we are today, and then you and I go back, we weren't here in 1776. You and I do not know other than just through history uh, what took place in the Revolutionary War. We do not know what took place in all that. We do not know the sacrifices. I forget the number. You can find it out very quickly. Uh, the number of men who died who signed the Declaration of Independence. And so Joshua is saying, there's going to be a time come. There's going to be, for, they're not going to, they don't know the effects of the foot plagues. They're not going to remember the parting of the sea. They, they, they weren't there. And they don't understand the parting of the sea. And they're not, going to, they're not going to remember the pillar of cloud and fire. They're not going to remember the manna and the water. They're not going, they, they, they weren't there then. Set these stones up here. So that when they ask, what is he going to do? It's going to be a remembrance going to be a remembrance. Sister Nellie, I know you're here. Well, I can't, where she's sitting? But it, oh, there you are. Uh, I remember down at Woodland Heights and so forth. But the reason why that, uh, I remember her way on the family. But I was holding a meeting in Houghton, Michigan. Uh, it might have been Houghton Lake, but uh, Michigan, uh, there was a church up in Houghton. This was many, many years ago. was holding a meeting. And so, uh, at the end of the service, I was out, like all preachers do, is now come tell me how great a sermon is. No. Uh, and so I was shaking hands with folks as I'm going out. And this lady came up to me and she said, do you know who I am? I said, ma'am, I don't. I'm sorry. I do not know. I said, uh, who are, what is your name? She said, well, if you don't know, I ain't going to tell you. So, I still don't know today. That's been 40 years ago. Time will come, you forget. Your children, there are folks going to come by and they're going to say, what, what, is all, what is all these stones? Why are they there? And so when you and I look at this and we see this generation is going to come, that did, they don't know all of these things. So let me end in this lesson today. I want you and I to look at the White Oak Church. This building is a monument. This church building is a monument. Now, we don't offer sacrifices to it. and We don't come out and bow down before it and kiss the steps out there. 
I, my dad, and thank you, brother, for the story about my dad. My dad was a deacon here. Now, I look, I, I've got to be back at Lithia Springs to preach tonight, so you know I'm going to have to stop at some point. <laughs> my dad was a smoker. Now, if you, let me tell you, on Sunday morning, years ago, at, whenever Bible class was over, all the men gathered out on the steps of the White Oak Church building and smoked. Uh, they did. That's what they did. Janet and I lived in Michigan. And so we were, we were coming back home for a visit. And I tried to get here in time for Wednesday night Bible study, but we didn't make it. So we, we, we came on the building and I parked right across the street. And we sat there. We got, I don't know, probably maybe 10, 15. And I told my wife, I told Janet, I said, listen, at 8.30, get your watch. At 8.30, that door is going to open. The first person out that door is going to be my dad with his hand in his pocket for a cigarette. And I, I, I was right as rain, folks. Now watch this. You think about this. You think about people here and the memories here. I was baptized here. I assume that both my brothers were baptized here. My brother was married here. Some of you may have been married here. My father, my dad, my dad's funeral uh, was conducted here by Brother Raymond Crumley. You've had family members, and there are things in this at this church building that you're going to remember. That's going to bring back precious memories to you, and and you can. Re- I, now I've heard I've heard of, I've heard folks say, "Well, I can't go back to church there because my mother's came." Well. That ought to be a good reason to go back. Now you can throw me out if you want. I can get out this door if I need to, can I? <laughs> Appreciate Austin and Luke. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at this, the gospel has been preached here. I remember men like uh, Brother Fred Dennis. Brother Dennis lived in Ohio, was a school teacher principal, uh, but he held a lot of meetings and and man, he was a he was a, a powerful preacher. I remember brother. I remember uh, brother Willard Collins. I remember men coming here to preach. The, the gospel has been preached out of this pulpit for years and seventy five years. The gospel has been preached at the White Oak Church of Christ. So when you and I look at this, and we recognize, what do these stones mean? These are not stones just by themselves. What does this building mean? It means souls have been saved. Missionaries have been supported. I remember when uh, Brother Charlie Lemons was the preacher here, and Brother Edsel Hughes, and uh, Brother Jenny Eaton, Wesley Simons. I remember Brother Wesley, of course I wasn't preaching here or in the area at the time, but when he was the gospel preacher here. So when you and I recognize that the gospel has been preached for 75 years from this congregation. So when you and I look at this, so in our lesson today, uh, I want us to look at, let me get this. All right. What, what do these stones mean? Number one, God still answers prayer. God still answers prayer. 
Matthew 7 and verse 7, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For he that asketh receiveth, he that knocketh find. He that seeketh shall find, he that knocketh shall be opened to you. I don't have time this morning, but boy, there's a great message in that. When you look at prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I want you to see this because when you go back to Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 23, the Bible, God had heard their prayers. They've been afflicted. They have been, they have been in bondage. You and I are in bondage to sin, but you and I need to recognize these folks had been in, and if you're, you remember, he made it hard on them. So in the book of Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 23, if you have your Bible, maybe you want to go with me for a second. Go to, go back to that Old Testament book and go with me to the book of Exodus. Go to Exodus chapter number 3 and I want you to look down there. Now notice in Exodus 3 and verse number 10, and listen, look at what, look at what God, and come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now back up just a minute. Go down to verse number 7. The Bible says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. Now listen to this. And have heard their cry. God answers prayer. You and I need to recognize that in our lives, this church building, oh, I'm, it, it, I know buildings are coming and go. I understand that. Don't, don't misunderstand. I, I, I know that. But I want you and I to recognize that the church, whether it's in a tent or a building, we recognize that God still answers prayer. Secondly, God saves by the blood of the Lamb. Now, Go back with me. See, when, when the children of Israel, they crossed the Jordan, and Joshua said, now, okay, I want you to get these stones, and I want you to set them up, because your children are going to come by. What does that mean? Well, just go back to Exodus chapter 12. And Moses said to the children of Israel, you kill a lamb. You, you put him up for a certain number of days, and you take that lamb, and you slit that lamb's throat, and you take that blood... And you take that blood and you put it over the doorpost. You remember what the Bible says. God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The blood saves. When you and I look at Exodus chapter number 12, and when you look at that and you see that, that there is in Exodus chapter 12, there's a lamb... There's a sacrificial lamb. That lamb was sacrificed. There is a saving lamb. There is a spotless lamb. There is a shared lamb. So when you look at Exodus chapter number 12, and Moses said to the children of Israel, you take a lamb, and you take the blood of that lamb, and you put it on. It was the spotless lamb. What does the Bible say about our Lord? The Bible tell He was spotless. First Peter chapter 2. When you and I recognize we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Spotless. 
And so he said, you take a, a, he was a sacrificial, saved, shared, spotless lamb. Now go with me to John 1, verse number 29. Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And John says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So what do these stones mean? These stones mean that God hears and answers prayer. These stones mean God saves by the blood of the There's no way any of us can go to heaven without the blood of Jesus. When you think about the blood of Jesus, I, I, it, it is just, when I talk to denominationalists, and some guy says to me, well, I would, my wife and I, we were visiting Gatlinburg, one of, man, one of our favorite places. So if you ever have a mansion you want to give away up there, call me. Uh, great place. I was up there, and we were just sitting on a, we were sitting on a, I was just sitting out on the bench, and my wife was, running in all these stores, and I'm just sitting there. This guy comes up to me. I do not know why. He and another guy, young guy. I'm talking about 18, 19, 20 years old. And they started talking about the Bible. I had a Bible study there, and then I made an appointment with this guy a little bit later on. I think I had two Bible studies with him for a little. But you know what they said? They're saved by just letting Jesus come into your heart. I want to ask a question. One question. How do you come into contact with the blood of Jesus that way? You and I come into contact with the blood of Jesus when we're baptized into Christ. Because what do we do? We, we become dead to the world, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do these stones mean? God saves by the blood of the Lamb. God always makes a way of escape. One of my favorite verses of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, But there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will, with that temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to say. I like it when God butts in. Three buts in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation taken you. See, so when you and I look at what God is able to do, and you and I look at this passage of Scripture, when we see 1 Corinthians 10, God always has a way of escape. Well, Brother Cuff, I, I know I shouldn't have done that, but I'm on my God, God has a way of escape. And here are the children of Israel, they have come out, they've been in bondage. They come out now, they're coming up against the Red Sea. They have the Red Sea in front of them. They have mountains on each side. And they have the Egyptian army pursuing after them. Moses, you brought us out here to let us die out here. What's wrong with you? Now, you got to know the Greek to get it like that. You know Moses in Exodus 14, 13 took that rod. Oh, man. Don't you know that had to be powerful? He took that rod, put it out over the Red Sea. Here's what he said. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Whew. I don't know, folks. When your children see these stones, what's all these stones? What's all that about? Moses, God always makes a way of escape. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what you do. 
God makes a way of escape. He's not going to tempt you above that which you are able. He'll make a way. Now, so many times, I'm not looking for a way of escape. I want to blame, but not escape. But when you and I look at the, at the Scriptures now, number four, God will stop your enemies. James 4, verse 7, the Bible says, Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. You resist him. Go to Exodus, or Matthew chapter number 4. What do we find? We find in Matthew chapter 4, we, of course we find uh, our Lord is being tempted. Here, you've been hungry. Command these stones to be turned to bread. It's written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Oh, here, I, I'm going to give. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When you and I recognize that God will... So in Exodus 14, 27, and then if you go to... to you'll see God made a... God, their enemies... I'm not going to go back and read that. You can read it. God, their enemies were going to come upon them. And they did. They did. The reason why I have judges there, I want to show you how that works. See, folks, we never know God loves us. We're His people. We don't know the mind of God. Larry Acuff does not know the mind of God. I don't always mind. All I need to do is obey Him. Just do what He says. Do His will. Let me give you an illustration. Now, Judges chapter 4. There's a judge. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8, 8. There's a There's a judge by the name of Deborah. She had old General Balak. He was going to protect her. They were fighting Sisera's army. Now watch this. Sisera had 900 chariots of iron. Bow and arrows. Have you ever tried to shoot a bow and arrow at a tank? Just imagine. Just imagine that the Russians tried to take over down here in White Oak and all of a sudden you look out there and all these Russian tanks coming down and all you've got BB guns. You know what God did? He sent a rain. It rained. And it was muddy. And they couldn't move a single chariot because of the mud. Don't tell me God's not available. Don't tell me God can't help us. Don't tell me that God's not for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so, what, what do these stones that God... It's going to stop our enemies. God supplies all of our need. <laughs> Can you imagine that? God supplied them. They didn't have a Walmart. Well, we got to go down to Walmart and get some shoes. They didn't have a Walmart. God gave their clothes last. <laughs> their clothes lasted 40 years. I have a pair of shoes. I, 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 don't, I don't think I've given them away yet, but I've been tempted to, and then I think, no, I just got to keep these. This, they're 45 years old. I took them to church with me one Sunday, show them, show them where they are, shoes. See how something lasts. Bought them, I just saw in Cincinnati, just across the line there from Cincinnati, Ohio, many years ago. Shoes last 45 years. Well, if you don't wear them, they will. Now watch this, folks. God fed them. God clothed them, 
fed, oh, they griped about, well, we just, we need meat. Well, I'll send you manna. It'll, you, you, it'll come out of your nostrils. you get tired of it. All this water's better. I'll make it sweet. Ladies and gentlemen, all, my God will supply all you need. What do these stones mean? My God will supply all your need. You and I, as we look at life, as we look at the White Oak Church of Christ on its 75th anniversary, this building, these pews, former elders, members and preachers have left a legacy for the kingdom of God. This building stands today as a memorial to God's work. But greater than the memorial that it stands, while that is good and that is great, greater than that, folks, is the memorial that's sitting in these pews. The men and the women and the boys and the girls. The fruit of 75 years ago. The fruit is seen today in that marvelous. If you're not a part of that fruit, you won't obey the gospel of Christ. Oh, how precious is the blood of Jesus. Take the blood. Our soul is covered with the fingertips of the devil and his slimy hand. Don't you can imagine? Don't you imagine? Here was our Lord Jesus Christ in the tomb. And here the old devil sitting over there with his bony fingers. He is just clapping and he is dead. On that third day, that sheep begins to move up off of that slab came the Lord Jesus Christ. And He pulled the sting of death out of it and gave the devil a mortal wound that has ne- he will never recover from. Never. Today, when you or I obey the Gospel, if you're not a Christian, and you obey the Gospel of Christ, believing in Jesus as a Son of God, confessing the name of of Christ before the assembly, having repented of your sins. Take that man of sin and bury him in a grave and let him be resurrected to walk in a new life. All your sins have been washed away. If you need to respond to the invitation to be baptized, if you need to rededicate your life to the cause of Christ, say, listen, I I, I want a full feet ahead in the body of Christ. We encourage you to come right now while we stand and sing the invitation song. There's a great day coming.